Welcome, my lords, to the Well-Earned Comforts Podcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Seth. Thank you for joining us on the walls of Isengard as we explore the many works of Tolkien and discuss life. We're glad to have you as a part of our fellowship, as there's no telling where we'll be swept off to. We're going to babble like Butterbur for a few minutes here, so I'm going to check in with my brother, Seth Moldenhauer. How the heck are you, man? Hey, I'm doing well. It's first... uh first week on day shift i feel like a whole new human you look a lot better like like the dark around your eyes is gone you have a bit more color to your skin uh you know. let's be real that's probably just the newer webcam okay um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it, it makes a big difference to have a, a pretty set sleeping and wake schedule i'm in bed asleep by nine most nights and i'm awake by 4 30 4 45 most mornings now as opposed to back and forth and all over the place and nothing consistent so it helps a lot yeah it sounds much better than previous yeah the previous lifestyle i mean people enjoy it but it's just not for me i'm a much happier person much more lively person um i don't know it's good it's been a good transition day shift and uh and an icu is definitely a lot busier but as a whole the day goes by quicker you get a lot more support from the doctors and everything. Uh, you know, I still miss my my friends and everything on night shift, but yeah. for a lifestyle choice, this is much better. So I'm happy with it. That's good. How's your what back? You? I know you were still rehabbing a little bit last time we talked. You know, it's gotten better. Uh, still in rehabbing it with, you know, deadlifts and more body weight, um, mobility type stuff. But Overall, it's it's definitely getting better. Uh, not quite back to pulling 500 pounds off the floor. I probably could, but I don't want to don't want to push it yet. So, little by little. But I saw that you uh you nailed a was it one or a 485 on on that deadlift that you sent me the other day. I did. Thank you for you know putting out first that you could pull 500 pounds off the ground, then complimenting me on my 485 pounds. <laughs> I mean, that. I mean, if that was my intention, I would have said, you know, I PR at 5:30, probably okay, could hit 550 is. if I really pushed it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, I'm, I'm getting there. I, yeah, yes, no, I hit, I hit 45 yesterday. Um, yeah, I was just feeling it. And so I went for it. It was one of those, like, like I, I I went in for the initial pull and I started pulling and I was like, no, I can't do this. I let go for a second. And I was like, hold on. Like, like, let me try again. Like it was just, you know, just like a, a 15 second breather. It was, it was all mental. Like my head was like, no, you can't do this. And I was like, well, I don't know. My, I feel like my body's strong enough to do this. And so I just went back on there and, and it took a long time for that, for the bar to get up. Like, especially the initial, like, I don't know, foot took very, very long, but I mean, I just, trusted that okay i'm just gonna keep pulling until i can literally not pull and i got it up which was very you cool you got it up good job happy you got it up oh, okay. you struggle with that <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry i uh yeah i couldn't, couldn't resist no uh, but that's <laughs> that's i mean honestly when you sent me that video and i saw you kind of give up right away after that initial attempt i was like ooh. I don't know. Cause especially with deadlift, like you said, it's all psychological. And if, if you go to pull the weight and all of a sudden you feel like you just don't have it, normally people aren't able to reset within like 15 seconds and then go do it again. They'll just fail again. I've seen that time and time again, where they try, they're like, no, no, I just gotta, 
get in the right mindset. And then they run up to the bar and they fail again. So deadlift is normally one where it's like, if you don't get it on your first try, you're probably not going to get it. Um, so I was, I was impressed when you nailed that. That was, that was awesome. And I mean, you're, you're just knocking on the doorstep of 500. So I know, I know it's there. It's there. That was also after I had squatted beforehand and I had hit 420, uh, 425 for one. I maybe could have gone more at 435 is my max on squat. And I was going to try to beat that. But after doing 425, I was like, I don't think I can. And so I don't want to fail in front of people. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it's good to trust your body. It's good to trust your body. And, you know, some days you have it, some you don't. And Yes. Or whenever that was, you had it for your, for your deadlift, but maybe not for your squat. So that's just kind of how it goes. So that's a, that's a heck of a lift, bud. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm trying trying to be like you Um, one day, but yeah, life is good. Other than that, um, we are Ariel and I are, uh, we're hanging out. We're, we're having a good time together now that the weather's changing. We're getting outside a little bit more. It's really humid in Kentucky. I don't know if it's <laughs> that way in, in Michigan, but it's really humid in Kentucky, but, um, take some getting yeah. used to. Yes. yes we average probably in like the, probably like the seventies to eighties in the summer. And it gets yeah. as high as the, you know, mid nineties at times, but yeah, it usually gets like mid nineties as far as heat, but then tack on like 80% humidity. Uh, yeah. I was talking about the humidity. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Yeah. And Man. Ariel has started working at this little mom and pop shop in like downtown Georgetown called desserts by Rebecca, which is really cool, huh. but she also brings home a lot of desserts. That, I mean, it's great. <laughs> I had a, I had a key lime pie, chocolate covered key lime pie on a stick. Nice. The other day just for the nice. Fun of it. Um, and she just keeps bringing stuff home, but she's actually baking. Like she's one of the main bakers there now, which is something she's always loved doing. So that's actually really cool. I'm glad she's yeah. doing that. And you know, as a substitute teacher, she won't have anything for the summer. So this will be kind of a, a cover all for the, for the summer. And then, sure, you know, she'll, she'll get back to teaching in the fall, but well, it's cool that she found something that she actually enjoys and can, yeah. you know, get some good fulfillment out of for, for Absolutely. the summer. Absolutely. Yeah, she was pretty excited. That's awesome. We'll see if I can uh, hold off the hold off the, the food <laughs> weight. We'll see. Yeah, good luck uh, with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I was just going to mention that Amanda's finally feeling a bit better. And yeah, uh, she's it's cool to see her actually enjoying pregnancy now, now that we're, you know, almost exactly, actually, technically, depending on one of the due dates, we're two months exactly away. Oh, man. Um, from her due date. Uh, but this is like, the last like two or three weeks is the first time she's actually enjoyed pregnancy because yeah she's messing with our daughter po- poking on her on her belly yeah. and stuff and watching her respond and kick it's 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 precious so i'm happy that she's doing better and finally and enjoying this process a little bit and you say our daughter you just you hold not on a name yet or do you guys have something in mind yeah we'll see okay <laughs> we'll see fair enough <laughs> all right let's yeah let's go ahead and jump into the riddles of the dark we gotta we gotta get through this we have a big section coming up in the meat and potatoes here so why don't you start us off with with your (sighs) riddle this time yeah i'll start us off so um the ents they're shepherders right sheep herders of the trees okay so what what's another term that you could use for them maybe think yeah maybe think like corporate america uh (laughs) i i have no idea (laughs) well they're shepherders of the tree 
Uh huh. That means they can also just be considered branch managers. <laughs> okay. Okay. Hey. I like it. <laughs> I like it. All right. So and then you listen. got QuickBeam, who's assistant to the branch manager. Which QuickBeam? Never mind. You wouldn't get that because it's an Office joke. You don't watch The Office. Oh yeah. You're no. one of like five people in America that has never watched The Office. I gave it a shot. Just wasn't for me. <laughs> All right. What you got? So. Technically, if we're going by score, I, I have one point and you have zero so far. You would keep score considering you can't deadlift as much. Okay, as there it is. Uh, <laughs> all, right. all right, all right, all right. Okay, how many quarters does it take to play the new Lord of the Rings arcade game? Hold on. I, it, I, I think you can get this one, honestly. How many quarters? Shoot. I feel like it's right on the tip of my tongue. How many quarters? Nope, I'm not going to get it. Yeah, well, that's because it doesn't take any. It uh, it only takes Tolkien's. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's so obvious when you see it. Yeah, that's not exo- That's not at all what I was thinking of. <laughs> I was thinking it had to do with something like meats back on the menu or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's all right. Good try, that's, good try. That's funny. <laughs> all right, well, let's go ahead and jump into the meat and potatoes. Attaboy. Uh, there you go. See, see. I'll make you happy once in a while. I'll make you proud. Um, so for today, we're we're jumping into uh, the account of the Valar or the Valaquenta, uh, as is said in the Silmarillion. This is kind of, you know, we talked about the creation of Arda uh, last episode. These are the Valar that were contributing in that song, the creation, and then decided to come down and kind of like shepherd and guide the earth that they created. Um so as Tolkien describes, he says, they put on the raiment of earth and descended into it and dwelt there within. So Valar basically just means the powers of Arda. Yeah. And they were kind of referred to often as like gods, you know, by, by men, the children of Ilavatar, which, you know, is, is interesting. Like you have the necessary hierarchy of Tolkien's mythology because he wanted a mythology that would, you know, symbolize something similar to like North mythology or Greek mythology or Roman mythology. So you have like men revering the Valar as these, you know, gods, so to speak, the higher power, as you said, the powers of Arda, uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah, which is interesting though. And this is something I was thinking about. The elves don't really view them that way. They're more like, I mean, they kind of do, but not necessarily as gods because the elves actually had a relationship with them or some of the elves actually yeah. traveled from like Middle Earth to Valinor to be with the elves until they decided to leave. And that's a whole nother story, but they actually spent time with them, whereas the yeah. men never did. And so it's kind of more mystical for the men. Uh, and that's Absolutely. why they revere them as gods. Um, all right. So we're just going to kind of go through the names of each of them and what their biggest attributes are and what they're, they're known for and stuff like that. And try to tie in a couple of fun connections to our lives or to the actual Lord of the Rings, um, trilogy, just to try to make things more entertaining here. So, um, there's seven Valar, which are the men. And then the Queens of the Valar are considered the Valier. Is that how you'd say it? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that- Pretty cool. Valier, Valier. We'll go I think Valier. 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 Yeah, it sounds like something. It sounds like the way Tolkien would say it. Yeah. Um, so right off the bat, there's seven lords and seven queens. Most of them are married uh, or spouses, as Tolkien mentions, uh, except 
two, one, one of the Lords and one of the Queens are kind of left on their own. Um, but we'll, we'll talk about all that. Um, so to start us off, we're just going to talk about Manway as we discussed in the last episode, he, he was the brother of Melkor. He was the mightiest alongside with Melkor. Um, he was the mightiest and he was actually the dearest to Iluvatar uh, and understood his purpose the most clearly. So he became the king of uh, the Valar, even though they're all like peers, he still became the king. So uh, he, he dwelt in the winds and clouds and he dwells in art or he dwells with Varda, who's considered the lady of the stars. Yeah. Varda, um, I guess his spouse, so to speak, um, she's, she's beauty com- beyond compare beyond the words of men or even elves. Um, and because she's the light of Ilavatar that still lives in her face. Um, this light, uh, gives her power and joy. It's interesting because uh, like she obviously knows Melkor being, you know, Manway's brother and in, in a sense, and she rejected him because of everything he did that we talked about in the first or the second podcast of his, you know, opposition towards Eru Ilavatar and, um, because of this, Melkor hated, hated Varda. But what was in- really interesting that Tolkien makes very clear here is he said that Melkor actually feared her more than all others. Feared, like, like I think that's, you know, you look at Tolkien and you're like, you know, Lord of the Rings, there's there's a few really good, powerful female characters, but overall it's it's a lot of male heroes. It's a guy's story. It's a guy's story, yeah. yeah. So I love that, like, right off the bat in the Silmarillion, we see Tolkien saying, like, no, women are, are incredibly powerful, you know, in, in, in a, a little bit of a different way, you know, but it's it's saying here, like, Melkor is terrified of, of Varda, which is pretty cool. But a cool tie-in, too, um, with Varda, she's also known as uh, Elbereth, She's called by the elves, and you maybe heard this in The Lord of the Rings a couple times. And I don't really remember, I don't think it's necessarily in the movie when Frodo calls us out. I think it's only in the books. Um, but he cry, cries out on Weathertop, Oh, Elbereth Gathonio, um, crying out for the light amidst the darkness when he's being stabbed by the Witch King. Um, but Frodo also uses that name at the Fort of Brunin um, when all the ringwraiths are coming and, and he's trying to cross the river there as well. But also, if you go to the Return of the King, the book, um, both Frodo and Sam use it in Shelob's lair to hold up the right er- the light of uh, Arendil um, as well. And it's actually, I just read this because I finished Return of the King like last month and and Sam uses Elbereth as a password for Frodo. Like they're up in, yep. Yep. Up in the tower and he had just like slain Gorbat or uh, one of those guys, I think it's Gorbag. And I think it is. So he was like, hey, I'm going to go make sure that our path is safe back down. So, you know, just to make sure that nobody comes into this room, like our password, our password is going to be Elbereth, which I thought was. Yeah. So with that scene, they're they're kind of at the pinnacle or like the penthouse of a tower and there's a trap door. And the only way to get up and down is through the ladder that's at the top. Mm -hmm. And Sam goes because Frodo's naked in the return of the king after being stripped of everything. And so Sam's going to look for um, for like armor clothes stuff like that and so he's like no orc would ever utter this word so therefore let's make it our password it's interesting that you say um he says it when he holds up the the file of galadriel against shelob um which is the light of arendelle which without going too far into it the light of arendelle is silmaril um, it's a silmaril that this <laughs> jerk without yeah well no the arendelle he 
Not Arendelle. I'm goes, talking about Feanor. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, Arendelle, he goes to Valinor when he's not supposed to, to be- beg for help of these Valar and defeating mm-hmm. Melkor later on. And they say, well, you're not supposed to come here, so we can't let you stay, but we can't send you back because you've been here. And so they mm-hmm. basically turn him into a star and send him up into the sky. <laughs> um, so when she when he cries out, um, Elbereth, he's calling they're calling out for the light of that Silmaril, yeah. um, which is like you said, kind of, what was it? The flame imperishable that Eru mm-hmm. put into the world. So pretty, pretty cool. Um, yeah. So where do they live? They dwell together. Um, Varda and Manwe in the uttermost tower of, let me see if I can get this right. Tanaquetil. 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 Um, it's the tallest mountain upon the earth. So think of like Mount Everest or maybe a top of 14er, which fun fact, um, 14er in Colorado lingo means a mountain of 14,000 feet or higher above sea level. People don't know what that means out here in Kentucky. <laughs> like I've talked about like, oh yeah, being like climbing a 14er and they're like, what, 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 what do you, what is that? It's like a 14er, a, a mountain that's 14,000 feet over, you know, but <laughs> Like, oh my gosh, you climb? Like, you have to do it with ropes and stuff? I'm like, no, there's there's a trail. <laughs> but I don't know. It, it's the same way up here. It's the it, same way in Michigan. Yeah. Nobody nobody really knows. Um, well, uh, yeah, like, so I said, Varda and Manway, they, they live on this mountain. And they can see. They can see really, really well when they are together, right? Um, when Varda is with Manway, he sees further through mist, darkness, and over the leagues of sea. And when Manway is with Varda, she hears more clearly than all the other sounds of the voices east, west, from the deep places created by Melkor, which is really important to that, like, a co- coexisting relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're both incredibly strong in their own way by themselves, but then put them together and, you know, he can see really, really well. He, she can hear really, really well. Um, especially the deep places um, by Melkor, which, again, when Melkor is terrified of this person, um, she hears everything that's going on in the deep places that he made, which I think yeah. that, would, that would terrify me too. Like, if, if somebody could hear <laughs> everything that I'm doing, like, <laughs> I could totally understand. Especially somebody that you fear like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. It's a kind of a good analogy to marriage i mean Mm -hmm. like you have to be good strong people on your own right but then you become stronger through marriage and being together you bring out the best in each other so i i I liked his comparison there so up next we'll chat about ulmo uh he is the lord of waters so ulmo is uh we talked about him helping create the sea and everything like that the rivers all that he's interesting. He doesn't really dwell in one place because he is in the rivers and everything. He kind of just goes everywhere with the flow of water. He can choose if he wants to be in the depths of the ocean or up in a little stream or a lake or something like that. He's actually the second mightiest right behind Manway and they're close friends. I don't know um, if you meant, if you remember last week when we mentioned how Eru was describing, you know, like even though Melkor's tried to ruin all this, think about all the things that you have done with Manway and it brought you two closer together. Um, So unfortunately um, after the creation of of Varda, he became more of a loner and didn't really attend the councils uh, of the Valar unless it was something that was super important that needed to be debated because he really didn't like being on land anymore and he never really wore clothes. (laughs) (laughs) So he, he just wanted to be a sea God. Right. So 
Yeah, he's hanging out with the fishes. Come on. He's hanging out with the fishes. So I found this quote um, describe how Tolkien describes him from the eyes of of like the men or the the second children. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'll just read a quote here. It says, if the children of Eru beheld him, they were filled with great dread. For the arising of the king of the sea was terrible as a mountain waving that strides to the land with dark helm foam crested and raiment of male shimmering from silver down to the shot into shadows of green the trumpets of manway were loud but ulmo's voice is deep as the depths of the ocean which only he has seen man so i mean that's a pretty intimidating presence you can see why why they fear him when he when he ever takes shape and comes onto the land yeah absolutely the good thing about him though is even though people are, are not people but elves and men are, are terrified of them there's no reason to be right so he actually loves elves and men and he's never abandoned them he's always been trying to help them out um even after the wrath of the valar which maybe we'll get to at some point when when the elves are kind of barred from ever coming back to valinor even after all that, he still went and made music in the springs and the rivers and the streams. And he just always wanted to be involved. And it was said by the elves that once the music was heard, it caused an incredible longing for the sea. And it would always be heard in the hearts of those who were lucky enough to hear it. So, I mean, kind of think of in a way, uh, like a seashell. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually a fantastic analogy there. Yeah, so like you take the seashell home, but once you've heard it, anytime you know you pick it up to listen to it, you feel like you hear the ocean. So yeah, it's uh, he's an interesting guy. He's also kind of the news taker um, of the Valar because he is in the ocean and everything, uh, the streams, the rivers, all all that brings news, and he can hear the news through the water, even in areas that are hidden from manway that he can't see from atop his mountain he can gather news um just because as we found out from finding nemo all drains lead to the sea right <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> i love it that was great uh, you know it's interesting like i love how tolkien he he spares no expense like he's thought of everything right i mean the seas the winds the waves like he's thinks he thinks of everything when it comes to these beings and how they have dominion over each spot because each spot is so important. Um, but then moving on to Aule, who's probably my favorite. Um, I think he's just really, really cool. Um, he's You are a dwarf at heart. I, I think I am. I think I really am. <laughs> Red meat off the bone, roaring there fires, malt beer. I mean, whew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Aule, he, he maintains lordship over all the substances of Arda. And so he works alongside like Manway and Ulmo. And, and he's responsible for creating the lands. He's, he's an amazing smith and master craftsman and takes delight in everything that he makes, even just the smallest trinket um, that he makes as well. His, his wife is Yvonne. I'll get to her here in a second. But um, he, was, he was much like Melkor. They both really liked to create things, um, but they differed because Melkor liked to create things specifically for himself. Now, to be fair, Aule did enjoy that as well, but he never... He never strayed away from Eru, at least yet. Well, well, it was more he wanted to create things like he enjoyed the process of creating. Yeah, it. he didn't want to yeah. just create it um, and then hoard it, right? Right. 
Right. Yeah. He loved the the process of creating things, uh, especially like gems, gold, and I imagine mithril too. You know, in the depths. Yeah. Which, which is really making mithril. Oh man. I, I I mean, it's just so cool. Like he's he's just enthralled by making uh, making things, and and then also giving glory back to Eru through his through his process. Um, and that's the problem with Melkor because Melkor was trying to undo all the works of Outlay because he was again like, oh, I'm the better craftsman. I'm going to make things better. And so he starts undoing everything and, and you see that Outlay gets weary of having to right the wrongs of Melkor and, and undo the tumults and, and disorders of, of Melkor. Um, but again, Outlay is probably my favorite and I love, I, I'm sure we'll get into it um, in, in a future podcast, but I love just kind of what he ends up creating as you as you mentioned the dwarves will i hope we get into that later not spoil anything yet but um yavana uh his his spouse the giver of fruits she loves all things that grow on the earth and again this is i mean this to me is like looking at like the hobbits you know they are they they love gardening they love things that grow i kind of saw that you know she has countless forms in her mind she can take different forms from trees to moss to all secret things in the mold and among all the queens, she's next to Varda in power. Um, here's here's a quote from Tolkien about her: "In the form of a tall, a uh, form of a woman, she is tall and robed in green. But at all times, she takes other shapes. There are those who have seen her standing like a tree under heaven, crowned with the sun. And from all its branches, there spilled a golden dew upon the barren earth, and it grew green with corn. But the roots of the tree were in the waters of Ulmo, and the winds of Manwe spoke in its leaves." So Ivana's she's she's pretty she's uh, loves the earth loves all things that grow and is a great uh, great companion to Aule who loves just creating. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We're probably not going to get into it here by any means, but I believe she actually created the Ents, if that's cor- if I remember correctly. Ooh, um, I, I think because right. Manway I believe creates the Eagles. Um, Aule uh-huh. actually creates the Dwarves and they're the oldest but eru tells him like hey uh it's you're not supposed to do that uh i'm gonna kill him him. and he's like oh please don't kill him please don't kill him i don't want him to suffer for my mistake they're my short hairy dudes don't (laughs) (laughs) exactly so eru's like all right well they can come after my you know children have came um so he like puts them to sleep and whatever so but yeah yavana i think creates the ends and she also helps i believe uh create the trees of Valinor that bring light to mm-hmm. the world uh, yeah. that the Silmarils are then crafted from. Yeah. So she's she's a very powerful powerful character in the in the mythology. I wonder why she hid the Entwives. <laughs> I don't know. Let's <laughs> ask her. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So jumping into the next, uh, it's kind of a group grouping here. Um, they're called the Finaturi. Uh, this is Nemo or and Iremo, but they are often referred to as Mandos and Lorien because that's where they dwell. Um, so Mandos is the uh, Mandos and Lorien are brothers, uh, but Mandos is the elder of the brothers and he's considered the doomsman of the Valar. So uh, you might've heard in Lord of the Rings reference to the halls of Mandos, uh, which is like the houses of the dead. So after an elf dies, they don't, their, their physical body dies, but their spirit goes to the halls of Mandos and right, right. he gets to pronounce their doom at the bidding of Manway. So he gets to decide, okay, do, 
Do I send them back? Do I keep their spirits here? He's in charge of all of that. So like a good example would be Glorfindel, the elf. Um, he's not really, exactly. He's not really in the movies, which sucks because he's a freaking awesome character. Yeah. But way back in the first age, he actually dies killing, um, I believe it's Gothmog, the Lord of the Balrogs, who we'll get into next week. Glorfindel dies killing off this mighty and powerful Balrog. And then he gets sent to the halls of Mandos and Mandos decides, okay, we're going to give you a body, send you back. And then in the fellowship, he actually helps rescue Frodo from the ring race as they're traveling to, uh, to Rivendell. So that would be an example of, of kind of what Mandos does. Um, Yeah. It's awesome. He's described as like the summoner of the spirits of the slain. Um, he doesn't forget anything. He knows all things that are coming except for what those things, which Eru keeps to himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, he pronounces dooms and judgments based on the wisdom of Manway. So he works closely with Manway. He is married to, and Sam and I were talking about this. I don't know how to pronounce it. Varye? 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 I don't know. We'll say Varye. Yeah. Yeah. He, that's his spouse. Um, she's known as the weaver. Um, so basically she weaves in time all things into storied webs. Um, and as the halls of Mandos continue to increase in size because of all the spirits that arrive there, she weaves in time all those things and th- she clothes the halls in these webs of, of uh, I don't know, of stories, I guess. Like, yeah. I was trying to conceptualize this. What? How do you... Yeah, I think the connection for a lot of people who maybe don't know about this, like there's a lot of uh, overlap in like you think of Marvel and, and Lord of the Rings in a, in a sense, you know, the Silmarils are very similar to the stones that, that Thanos has, you know, those infinity stones. Um, And so time too, like when she's weaving times and stories together, like that's kind of what the time stone does in a sense. Like it, Hmm. I mean, it, it can take back time and stuff, but um, she's obviously doing that and putting together like stories. I mean, I don't really know if it's stories that you can re-see or anything. Ah, we should edit this part out. No, no, <laughs> there's no reason it. to edit it out. I mean, it's a confusing thing. I don't yeah. really know how to flesh it out. My thought was kind of like, she's almost like the like the librarian of the Halls of Mandos. Like, That's a good like, way to put it. Yeah. He manages the spirits and she manages the stories that accompany, accompany the spirits. I don't know if that's accurate, yeah. but that's kind of how I... Well, and I was also thinking too, like, and again, this is another pop culture reference, Ready Player One, um, the butler guy, when you oh, can okay. go yeah, to, yeah, yeah. you know, you can go to the, the archives and you can rewatch all of the dude's life, right? different stories and stuff. So that's kind of what I was thinking. No, about, that's, that, I like that. I like that. I could totally cool. see her doing that type. Like yeah. that's kind of her role. Cool. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, Cause there's not much about her. So it's kind of hard to yeah. understand. So then Lorian is the younger brother of Mandos and he's considered the master of visions and dreams. Um, he also dwells where, you know, his name comes from in Lorien, where his gardens are the fairest lands in all of Valinor and are filled with many spirits. So he deals with spirits as well, but he's not necessarily pronouncing a doom. Mm. So I wonder, kind of makes me wonder, does Mandos like, okay, you get to go back to Middle-earth or to Valinor 
like for the spirits that come through, you know, or is he sending him back to back to middle earth in the form of like Glorfindel or is he holding on to him and sending him to Lorien to be with his brother mm-hmm. and just the spirits hang out, you know, I don't, I don't know, but yeah. it's interesting. The spirits hang out, <laughs> <laughs> which this makes me wonder too. His name's Lorien. Gladril lives in Lothlorien or yep. Laurel and Dorlin. Um, so it makes me wonder because Gladril was one of the old, old elves that actually crossed the Helcaraxe and came across back to Middle Earth. So she knows these areas. So I wonder if by naming her lands um, Lothlorien, if yeah. she's trying to, in a way, recreate a little bit of the beauty of Valinor. I, I, I can kind of see that. And obviously with like the visions and dreams that she gets there, like when the Fellowship goes there, you know, and the visions of the, the seeing pool... Um, like that's kind of what she does too. So yeah. yeah, that's a good point. I think there's a lot of connections there. Master of visions and dreams. Yeah. Yeah. Her, the mirror of Gladrill is maybe like a lesser version of that. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. I, I like that. I like that. So then Este is Lorian's spouse. Um, and she's the healer of hurts and weariness. Um, so she's described as gray is her raiment and rest is her gift. All those who dwell in Valinor gain refreshment from the fountains of Lorien or of Lorien and Este, um, and she also creates almost like a retreat, if you will, for the other other Valar. Like her lands are so peaceful and restful and refreshing that other Valar, when they're fatigued of all the burdens and every trying to you know keep the world in order, when they're tired of that, they just go to her uh, area for rest. Yeah. Yeah, kind of an oasis. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then we have uh, accompanying her at Niena, uh, which, again, like going back to Tolkien, thinking of everything that we as humans need um, and kind of having a god, so to speak, or a being to dwell over that. But uh, Niena is acquainted with with grief and she dwells alone. That's one of the, you know, one of the Valor that doesn't have a a spouse and she feels every hurt that Melkor has brought into the world, which is, which is interesting. Like having a being just to kind of feel the grief of the world. Cause again, Melkor is doing everything opposite of Ilavatar. Ilavatar is good. Melkor is bad. So therefore she's feeling all the bad that's happening through that. And, but yet her grief isn't her own. And that's something that I kind of want to spend a little bit of time talking on because we hear a lot about like when you enter in a relationship with somebody, if they have like, you know, PTSD or maybe it's like something happens to them where they just experience a huge amount of grief when you're in a relationship with that person, whether friendship or romantic or whatever, you, you tend to take that grief on, on yourself. And, you know, you begin to mourn too, and you feel the grief uh, on a very heavy scale. But Tolkien was saying like, that's, it's possible to feel that without being it. She said, because he mm-hmm. said the, the grief wasn't her own, you know, it was, it was the grief that she feels for, for, for Arda, the world. And so when people call on her, you know, it's almost like praying to God, like, God, I like take this grief away from me. Like take my, take my sadness because when people call on her, they learn pity and mm-hmm. endurance with hope. So again, it's, it's that really cool feeling of, okay, like I can, I can feel the, the weight of this. And yet I can endure it um, with hope. And so she gives that. And she also brings um, the strength to the spirit and turns sorrow into wisdom. So instead of sorrow turning into anger or depression or laziness, it, it turns it or into vengeance w- yeah. or vengeance. Yeah. yeah. Turn, she turns it into wisdom, which I, again, Tolkien thinks of every little detail in a human life and says, Hey, we're going to give 
like beings to support those emotions, those, those needs, feelings, yeah. those needs. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, I'm glad you kind of explained it that way. Cause I was like, yeah, she just kind of has a really crappy job. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but I, yeah. I'd argue that it's maybe one of the more important jobs. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously she's not as forefront as some of these other uh, Valar, but right. without her, imagine how much worse, you know, everything would have gone. Um, it is, I think, important to mention she is the brother of the Finituri, or I'm sorry, the yeah. sister of the Finituri. Yeah. So, so Mando, Slorian, and Nienna, they all kind of dwell or uh, deal with the the spirits and the souls and everything. So yep. they're kind of a grouping. Yep. So yeah, that's that's fascinating. I like the way you I like the way you describe that. Uh, thanks. Uh, next yeah. we have Orame or Alderon as he's called by the elves. He's a mighty warrior. He's he's strong in might and and dreadful in anger. Different to Tolkas as well as I'll let you kind of discuss a little bit. You know, rather than laughing in the face of Melkor, he he's dreadful in his anger. Um, but he loves Middle Earth. He loves um, getting to hang out at Arda, and he's a monster hunter. Like he loves uh, hunting monsters and beasts because, again, as we'll get into next next podcast, Melkor has created, a, or, or just like has brought upon an army of of Balrogs and monsters and just evil creatures. And so, you know, he trains up his his folk and his his beasts to fight off Melkor's creatures. And you know, I, I kind of think of it as like a like a monster bounty hunter. Um, he's he's pretty cool. Um, but he he loves his horse Nahor and Nahar, I guess. Um, who I love how Tolkien just his description is so so good. White in the sun, and yet silver, shining silver at night. So you think about that, like during the day. I mean, I guess you could maybe kind of compare it to shadow facts, like that just bright white coat, and then but at yep. night, like a shining silver, sleek and quick um, as he's riding through it, but. Uh, yeah, he's married to Vanna, who is not a whole lot of information on her. She's just the ever young, uh, she's the younger sister of Yavanna, and flowers spring as she passes, and birds sing at her coming. So she's kind of, I, I don't know, she's just, just a happy-go-lucky kind of lady, which is interesting that the contrast, like she's married, or I guess spouse to a mighty warrior in Orome, and yet she's like, you know, I'm going to pop up some flowers over here and talk to these birds as they come by and, you know, make them happy. <laughs> And he's over here like, like slaying a Balrog <laughs> or something like. It's know. almost like you know the masculine and feminine yeah. traits, you know, in a way. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. there's not much on her, but um, I think she's obviously pretty important. Mm -hmm. So then, getting into Tolkas, uh, he's actually he might be my favorite. I don't know. He's, he's um, pretty cool. He's pretty cool. So he is the greatest in strength and deeds of prowess. So um, he's also named Estaldo. Uh, which means the valiant. His spouse is Nessa, who we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but he was actually the last of the Valar to come down to, to Arda when everybody else was getting the world squared away and growing trees and creating mountains and all these things. He was just chilling up with Eru. He didn't really have a plan to come down. But then once you know the, the battles with Melkor started and the evil was just permeating the world, then they were trying to get a hold on it. He was like, yeah, I'll come down. I can fight. <laughs> so he's described as he delights in wrestling and feats of strength. He doesn't I love ride. That. That's so What's great. that? I love that. He just delights in wrestling and feats of strength. Like that's yeah. just so cool. Yeah, he's he's awesome. And he uh, it says he doesn't ride any steed because he can outrun all things that go on feet, and he is tireless. 
Um, which kind of reminded me it's like i've had these dreams where out of nowhere i'm like i don't need a car or anything i just run everywhere and it's i know it's weird but i like have these dreams where i just go running on the freeway to get wherever i'm going instead of driving (laughs) i'm legitimately running i don't get tired i just run i run faster than the cars and i wake up like dang that was that was a good dream (laughs) but i mean this is that's tolkis's you know it's his life yeah um he uh he's kind of what you'd think of i almost imagine like the way he looks almost like odin um he's Mm. blonde and has a giant uh like yellow golden uh beard and his flesh is a little ruddy so i don't know you just you picture that in your head or you look at some of like the illustrations that have come out of tulkus and he's always like just smiling he's jacked out of his mind (laughs) and he's like always like just flexing and wrestling and running around and just enjoying his body um and i think that's why i relate to tulkus is it's like he takes delight in what he's capable of doing physically Mm -hmm. and i'm very much the same way i i love weightlifting i love playing hockey i love you know anything that i can put my body through uh is just it brings it. Tr- it truly brings me delight. So he's kind of the same way. The dude has. He doesn't need weapons. His weapons are his hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that's he's insane. <laughs> <laughs> Tolkien even mentions. Um, he says he's known as always laughing in the sport of war, <laughs> even in the face of Melkor. So oh it's gosh. like Melkor is this big bad guy where there's you know fourteen Valar that are trying to contend with one Melkor, mm. and during the battles of the of the Valar and Melkor, he's fighting Melkor and just laughing and taking delight in it and just ha- having a good time. <laughs> I, I might just call him Beast Mode. He, he's like him, he's Marshawn Lynch, man. He's he's laughing as he's stiff arming people yeah. to the ground. Like <laughs> this guy's just insane. He's he's only on Middle Earth, so he doesn't get fined, right? <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Um, yeah, so I really like him. Um, and it's interesting because Nessa, his his uh, spouse, is very actually very similar mm-hmm. um, to him in a lot of ways. Um, she's the sister of Arame, which makes sense because Arame is this this great hunter. He also is does great in feats of strength, and he's a warrior and just on a lower level than Tolkis. But so Nessa is described as uh, lithe and fleet footed, which I had to google life um i think i'm pronouncing it right basically it just means thin supple and graceful so she was also a swift runner who loved deer but she would actually outrun the deer and she takes delight in dancing on the lawns of never fading green which kind of growing up in colorado doesn't make much sense no being out here in michigan (laughs) i mean we've only had a couple days of nice sunshine and i'm already about to need to mow because our lawn is just growing it's green it's beautiful um Mm -hmm. and i haven't had to do anything to it but that's kind of what i picture like growing up in colorado that is like never fading green what are you talking about um but the the grass up here i'm sure kentucky's is similar as well it is. It's very similar in Kentucky, but I mean, also Tolkien grew up in England, right? And so that's mm. almost the exact same too. Like it rained a lot and there was, you know, like the fields. I mean, we went to to Paris and Belgium for our honeymoon. Didn't get to see England, obviously, but they were pretty close. And yeah, the field, it was uh, like December, late December, early January when we went and it was still like the, the fields are very, very green still. Mm. And so I can't imagine like in the summer, or even in the spring, just that vibrant, never-ending green is, is he's probably just like looking out the window as he's typing this, which is so cool. Yeah. A typing. So cool. 
well <laughs> he hand wrote well no he he hand wrote everything because he actually well, describes yeah. why why it was hard um to get things published and he said the means of a 10 fingered typist was outside <laughs> or, or like was outside of my means or something like that yeah, yeah like he couldn't afford somebody to to type it up <laughs> that's true man that's um, wild that's wild <laughs> yeah so i i don't know i kind of just think of nessa as you know she's just running around she's a lot like tolkis and she just gets delight from her physical you know abilities but instead of strength necessarily it's it's being graceful and yeah. supple and dancing um which is kind of the feminine counterpart to tolkis who takes delight in his body but it's a more you know masculine way so yeah yep. love it and then you know we got to just touch on it melkor was one of the valar until he decided to go rogue and do his own thing and that's when uh they decided to cut him off excommunicated there you go kicked him out (laughs) so he is no longer accounted one of the valar yep which we will get into a little bit more next week but yeah i love this uh i mean it's amazing we've already spent two podcasts and technically we'll have spent three podcasts before chapter one (laughs) isn't that incredible like there's just so much here tolkien i mean i'm just so thankful that he actually took the time to to write out everything that was in his brain because a lot of times people have ideas or thoughts or i mean even like starting this podcast we were like oh yeah that'd be cool to do sometime like you know just the idea of it but to actually sit down and do it even if people hate it or if we don't have that many pe- people listening like i'm sure there's somebody out there who will enjoy this i mean i know I'm, I'm enjoying it and so you know i wonder if tolkien thought that too as he's writing this like well i don't know if anyone will actually enjoy this but i think it's pretty cool i mean my kids seem to like it like might as well just put it out there and then yeah you know i'm glad he spared no expense obviously with the the detail and the depth of his his works yeah i it it blows me away as i was reading through this just piecing trying to piece together thoughts and rationalize everything that he was putting down because it's kind of confusing a lot of it yeah it you know it gives me a deeper appreciation for it as well it's just it's something that i you know enjoy but then when you really dive deeper into it it's it you just gain a deeper respect for the amount of effort that he really put forth in creating this world absolutely absolutely Well, very cool. That concludes the meat and potatoes of the podcast. Next, Gondor calls for aid. So we're going to break into the halls of Metaseld and shout, Gondor calls for aid. Will you, Rohan, answer? If you enjoy the podcast, please light a beacon by sharing with your friends or fellow fans. Also, don't forget to like, subscribe, or leave a review. Good or bad, whatever you have to say, we love to hear it. And if you'd like to share your Tolkien story with us, however you got into Tolkien, what it has, <laughs> yes, you can still email <laughs> me at moldenshower at gmail.com. M-O-L-D-E-N shower at gmail.com. So uh, I have a, uh, a task for you before the day's end. <laughs> a new email? A new email, yes, sir. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> TBD new email, but uh, Molden Shower is my is my account that i still use for certain spam and other things like that so i will ouch don't call her well okay yeah don't call it spam (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) i will find it and if it's in there we will we'll read it on air or uh, something like that so yeah very cool well next
next week, please join us as we dive into the Maiar and the Enemies of Middle-Earth, the last portion of the intro to the Silmarillion before Chapter 1. Um, and we'll draw connections to better know the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Thank you again for joining us for some well-earned comforts. Until next time, we bid you a very fond farewell. We're glad to have you as part of our fellowship, as there's no telling where we'll be... Starting over. <laughs>